1: Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.
2: Good evening, Coach Roberts.
1: (laughs) It is a late evening for us.
2: Yeah, it's been uh, a busy few days.
1: It has been busy, yet not busy, if that makes sense. I spent... We spent... We spent... Plus Ellie and I spent on Friday an enormous amount of time at the riverfront.
2: (laughs) Yes. Owensboro, Kentucky is an exciting town. Not this weekend, but last weekend we had an air show and we got to see the Blue Angels, which was pretty cool. We could just go outside our house and see them when they were practicing, but it was even better at the riverfront. But this week was the Owensboro Hydro Fair. And if you don't know what that is, that's hydroplane boat racing. And this was a blast from the past for you and I. Because back in the 70s, this was an annual event.
1: Starting in 69.
2: Yeah. With the... uh,
1: Regatta. The
2: hydroplane boats.
1: It was called the Regatta.
2: Yeah. Bouncing across the Ohio River shooting a rooster tail from behind, and making a really loud noise. Not as loud as the Blue Angels.
1: I was always for the Atlas fan lines.
2: Yeah. So we had high expectations for the hydro fair this year, and it was a little bit of a disappointment.
1: It was resurrected after 42 years. It returned to Owensboro, Kentucky.
2: But the Ohio River wasn't very cooperative. (laughs) There was a lot of debris in the river, which postponed, which delayed, practice on Friday.
1: Yeah, so Ann, our little now 18-month-old granddaughter and I, went down there at 1 o'clock on Friday, and there was supposed to be practice from 1 to 4, but we left around 2.45 or 3. We spent almost two hours down there. There was never a boat run.
2: So we made a return trip. Well, I didn't go on Friday. But you and I decided to go to the river on Saturday morning.
1: Yeah. And this has special meaning to me because my dad was a JC back in the 70s and they were a part of helping organize this. And so I was really just, I mean, I have fond memories of the boat racing when I was young, but I know how my dad loved that day. So I really wanted to go down there. In his memory.
2: Yeah. So Saturday, we went down to the river at 9.30 for the 10 o'clock start. And at 3.30, (laughs) they had still not started and had finally decided to cancel all of Saturday's activities because of rain in the forecast.
1: So I now had eight hours invested and had not yet seen a single boat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But the Owensboro Riverfront is beautiful, and the weather was great. So it was good to be outside and there are a lot of people around. But we did get to see some boats today.
1: Sort of, yes. We did. So we went to church, and we came home. And I'd already said, I've already invested eight hours. I am not going. And so you kind of checked this morning, and once again, delays due to debris. And so pretty sure it wasn't happening and then you pulled up on your phone and saw a live race so in the afternoon yes we kind of talked ourselves into it so we get down there as soon as we arrive we couldn't have been better timing they were in their warm-up laps the five boats that were in this heat were in their warm-up lap so we got to see one full race And they had said it would be race after race after race quickly because they were going to combine Saturday's prelims and today's finals. Well, after that race, we waited and we waited and we waited. So now I have yet another hour and a half invested down at the Owensboro Riverfront. So a total of nine and a half hours and one boat race, which, what, lasts five minutes maybe? About that. (laughs) So, oh well.
2: Yeah. But it did bring back some memories from our childhood. (laughs) A long time ago.
1: And Bethany did get to see a hydroplane in action. She went down with us.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But that was fun. It was fun just to get out of the house and do something.
1: Yeah. And my brain needed a good distraction this weekend because our little granddaughter, we found out after we finished our run on Saturday that she wasn't feeling well and to make a long story short she ended up in the ER and then they admitted her but anyway i think we had half of the ones were all praying for her and she is home and doing much better
2: Yeah, and it was really hard because we couldn't go to the hospital to see her because they're not letting in visitors.
1: But fortunately, they waived that one visitor rule because the rule is whoever the one visitor is, that's the only visitor that can come for the patient's entire stay. But for little Ellie Ann, they allowed both Jacob and Shelby to be there, which I think was nice because little 18-month-olds not understanding what's going on It's going to be, it's going to be hard. Yeah. So Jacob and Shelby were able to support each other and love Ellie through that.
2: Yeah. So we like to talk about endurance sports on this podcast, specifically running and triathlon. We sometimes mix in some other things, but do you think skip bow should be considered an endurance sport?
1: (laughs) Skip bow, what's that?
2: It's the game that you and I have been playing and keeping tally marks on.
1: I talked about that in a while
2: we haven't for a long time i had a comfortable lead and was maintaining this comfortable lead but you went on a surge over the last couple of weeks and you took the lead
1: by one game
2: yes yeah
1: and then what happened
2: and then when we became tied again
1: and then what happened
2: and then i got one game ahead
1: Yeah, so here we go again. I don't really, we would be just as well off playing a game of heads or tails.
2: You think so? Yes. It's because we're so close.
1: It's because it's luck. Now, if you play somebody that doesn't understand how to play the game, you can just smack them down. You can beat them. Smack them down. (laughs) But if you're playing someone that understands the game, (laughs) smack them down. Well, that's what you do to me every game. You smile. No.
2: no, you're telling stories now.
1: <laughs> but wouldn't you agree that if someone understands the game and plays it correctly, that it has a lot more to do with the luck of the cards than any kind of strategy or skill. I agree. And you are much luckier than I am.
2: That's why we're so close in tally marks.
1: I'm always scraping from behind. Hmm. <laughs> I need a game that requires skill, and I'll study up and beat you.
0: Okay.
2: (laughs) And you probably would. If we were doing a word game, it's no contest. You're going to (laughs) win.
1: Maybe we should start doing boggle tally marks.
2: (laughs) No contest. (laughs) So let's talk about some endurance sports for a change. Okay. All right.
1: Would we like to start with Boston?
2: Let's start with Boston since you brought it up.
1: Okay, so the Boston Marathon has had its difficulties over the last couple of years, and I've kind of been in the mix of the drama because if you've been listening very long, you know that I have qualified for Boston a number of times, and I have yet to race Boston. So in 2019, I missed the cutoff by a few seconds, even though I had a qualifying time. In 2020, my qualifying time was good enough and you ran i was in i was going to run boston and then the covid came and so it was turned into a virtual event which you didn't have to do the virtual event you could have just gotten a full refund but i decided i would do the virtual event it would support the boston athletic association a little bit and plus i could just go ahead and get that cute little red white and blue jacket they had for 2020
2: Yeah, and I did the virtual as well. And so we have matching Boston jackets. That's pretty cool.
1: So then 2021 rolls around. and I also have a qualifying time. And they postpone the April 2021 until October. And then when they open the registration window, you and I both register. You used a race. You didn't use your best race. You wanted to use a race that had a qualifying time close to mine because... Your interest in running Boston now probably has more to do in celebrating it with me. That's true. Not that you won't want to race it again, but right now that's kind of where you are with it. So you used a time that had 7 minutes and 32 seconds. Correct. Below the qualifying time. And I used a a race, which was my best race at the time, of 6 minutes and 43 seconds. Better than the qualifying time. We register, as does the rest of the world, and neither one of our times met the cutoff of 747.
2: That was disappointing.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it was fine, and it really kind of turned out well because we have, I think we've mentioned before, we have a friend who is racing Moab that same weekend, and so that freed us up to go and help support And pace him in that endeavor.
2: It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're excited about doing. And
2: we'll do Boston a different year.
1: Yeah. So we're telling this story more in terms of what's going on with Boston more than with us. But we just happen to be in a household that (laughs) Boston's decisions have affected both of us in different ways.
2: You tell yours and I'll tell mine.
1: Yeah. I guess, sort of, but it's kind of all clumped together. I went ahead and registered for the 2021 virtual Boston Marathon. So my plan was to run that the morning of October 8th and mostly just slowly maybe even run Walk It because I want to save my legs to support our friend later in that weekend.
2: So let's back up just a minute. So when you received your email from the BAA saying that they regretted to tell you that your qualifying time wasn't fast enough, they gave you a code to sign up for the virtual.
1: Yeah, so they have a virtual race that anybody can do for the 125th running of the Boston Marathon with or without a qualifying time. But they opened up a special virtual which you're correct, I had to click on a link and use a code. And so, I mean, there's really nothing special about a virtual. You're just going to complete 26.2 miles and... We're just
2: providing all the details to the story. Time.
1: Yes. They call it the Qualified Boston Virtual. So I'm in this race. You decided you weren't going to do the virtual race. Okay. So this all happened months ago. Yes. So I've been training, and I've been training with Kelly, who's actually... Training for a different marathon, but I've been training alongside her because I want to be, I want my legs to be well prepared to support our friend in Moab, but also do want to complete the Boston Virtual. So I'm trained up for a marathon pretty much. So this past week, I'm on social media and I start hearing rumors that people are getting emails saying that Boston has offered them a slot and at first it was people who missed the cutoff by just a few seconds and so somebody who maybe had a minus 746 but needed a minus 747 now Boston has extended them an invitation and then someone else is like yes me too and I missed it by eight seconds and I missed it by and the one i There was one person who said, yeah, I missed it by 20 seconds and I got the email. So I'm thinking, well, that's weird. Maybe they're just rolling down and seeing how many people accept and which it doesn't matter to me because we've already got other plans, but I find it interesting. Well, then a little bit later in the week, (laughs) social media is blowing up and people are now angry because people may have only had a five second under qualifying time so they're way off the 747 and they now have an invitation to register and the reason why is because they like me signed up for the qualified boston virtual race so in essence anybody who resides in the u.s tried Using a qualifying time to register for the in person Boston Marathon were rejected because they didn't meet the seven minute and 47 seconds better than the qualifying time. That entire group must have just been about the number of people to fill these extra slots that they have. So all of us received an email to gain entrance into the in person Boston Marathon.
2: Yeah. That was quite the surprise.
1: Yeah. So I asked you, hey, did you get an email? Which the reason I asked you is I knew you weren't in the qualified group, but my email said for all the qualified U.S. citizen or not U.S. citizen, U.S. residing runners. And then it also said, and those whose cutoff times were close enough to the 747.
2: So I looked through my email (laughs) And the last email that I had was the rejection letter. And I guess it was a couple of nights ago, we were sitting outside and you said, what was your time in comparison to the qualifying standard? And I said, well, I don't remember. It was around seven minutes, something. So I went out to the website, the Tunnel Light Marathon Results website. And figured out that it was 7:32, and then
1: which was 15 seconds away from yeah. meeting the cutoff time at the beginning.
2: Yeah, and so from my phone.
1: Yeah, so I'm saying, and you didn't get an email because I know these people with 20 seconds got an email, and now I'm like getting upset with Boston that you like didn't a get lot an of email. people. Yeah, because you should have gotten your email.
2: So I'm, I'm working on my phone. I'm in the Outlook app on my phone and I'm searching and there's nothing in my inbox. So I, I go to my junk folder and I start scrolling through it. I don't see anything. But I get a lot of junk mail in my personal email. And so I tried to do a search and it, it didn't find anything. And I think the Outlook app on the phone, when you do a search, it ignores the junk folder. So I went out to the email i went out to the website that hosts my email and went to the junk folder and searched from there and lo and behold in my junk folder was an email from the baa saying that they had extended the the cutoff time and were offering me an opportunity to run the in-person race
1: yeah so for the yeah so for the first time ever the charities could not, I don't guess selling is the right word, could not utilize all their bibs. So they turned those bibs back over to the Boston Athletic Association, which I think was about 2,000 bibs. And so the Boston Athletic Association then had to make a decision. Well, do we just run with the 18,000 runners we have or do we fill it up to our cap field size of 20,000 which is what they decided to do and for whatever reason they decided and we got in for two completely or we got an invitation for two completely different reasons you because you were within their arbitrary 20 seconds better than the previous cutoff time and me I was 64 seconds off but I had registered for the virtual race and oh my goodness are people upset it makes a lot of sense that
2: people are upset
1: it does it does
2: because boston has always been based on how fast you are in your age group compared to everybody else in your age group
1: i mean not always in 2009 which i think is the last year they did it this way it was first come, first served, and I think you barely got in, even though you were probably 30 minutes under your mm. qualifying time.
2: Yeah, that was that was 2011, but yeah. Yeah, it was a matter of minutes after registration opened, it seemed like, so it was that good. it was full. I, I got a phone call at work from my friend Nate, and he said, if you're going to Boston, you better sign up fast. It, it's filling up.
1: So that was your second Boston that That they That was the second. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, since there's been a surge in the number of people who are meeting the qualifying standard since 2011, I guess, they've had this system of the fastest runners get the priority. And then for whatever reason, and I guess, I I mean, you can look at it several ways. Maybe they just thought, well, those, I mean, they're seven weeks out from the race when they done this they're thinking well those who are registered for the virtual are probably training and probably aren't in another race and so maybe that just seemed to them to be the quickest way to fill up the slots yeah could be and they're not they're not making the most money by doing that because they let they let um those people who were signed up for the virtual apply that cost to the cost of in-person so it wasn't it definitely wasn't their most lucrative financial decision yeah so i don't know it was interesting and people get bent out of shape but hey i'm happy for the people who were just one second under and it was important enough to them that they signed up for the virtual and now they're going in person so there's some very excited people too
2: yeah yeah But we're going to be in Moab.
1: We are going to be in Moab.
2: And that's going to be exciting.
1: That is going to be way more exciting.
2: And maybe we'll do Boston in April of 2022. We'll see what happens. It's not that far away.
1: Six months.
2: And registration is in November? Yes. All right. More to come on the podcast about that. So while we're on the topic of races and the difficulties of getting in, I saw where the Ironman World Championships has been postponed to February.
1: Interestingly enough, there were people who were planning on doing Kona and then flying in to do Boston. I don't know how you would do that.
2: I think we've talked about that before, but yeah. that's that's just crazy.
1: So I think people who were signed up for both are kind of relieved that Kona has been delayed till February, is that what you February,
2: said? yeah. would it be nice to be in Hawaii in February?
1: It'd be nice to be in Hawaii pretty yeah. much any month. Pretty but... much any
2: month. So while we're on the topic of uh, races, we have a few athletes that are doing Boston, some that are doing Berlin, some that are doing New York. And so we're interested to monitor the situation, hoping that all those races go off without a hitch.
1: Well, it's looking good for Berlin, right?
2: Berlin is five weeks out from the time we're recording this. And I was looking at the U.S. Embassy guidelines in Germany because I was just curious. If people are having a hard time traveling to Boston internationally, Well, how are U.S. citizens going to get to Berlin and then get back to the United States? So I was doing some research. That's one of the things we do as coaches for our athletes, whatever we can do to help But the U.S. Embassy guidelines in Germany said that you have to have a COVID test within three days of your departure, a negative COVID test, or have written documentation from your doctor that you have recovered from the COVID in the last 90 days. So it's looking good for our athletes that are heading to Berlin.
1: And is it you that was telling me the Berlin did their half?
2: Yes. Monitoring the Berlin Marathon Facebook group. Yes, there was a half marathon that occurred today as of the recording of this podcast. And the feedback from those who participated was that it went off without a hitch. And it seemed like all systems go for the marathon, So they've come up with a strategy for mitigating the risk, and it was tested. It went well, so let's go to Berlin.
1: Our athletes have been training hard for Berlin. I'm wanting it to be go.
2: All systems go. Speaking of doing whatever we can to help our athletes... We've had a couple of athletes, several athletes, who have been struggling this week, either with a, a new injury or just fatigue, just overall fatigue. And I was just thinking that, you know, the way we respond to that is we modify their workout schedules for the remainder of the week or the following week. We try to meet the athlete where they're at to give them what they need to move forward. And I think that that's just something that's really difficult to get if all you have is a plan. You know, a 16-week plan that you get out of a magazine or off of a website. That might be a great plan, but how many people can go through 16 weeks, 12 weeks, 20 weeks, whatever, without a few bumps in their training, whether it's a an injury or it's a scheduling conflict uh, or it's just fatigue. We really like to get comments from our athletes and tailor the upcoming workouts to meet them where they are.
1: Yeah, we had one particular athlete this week that has struggled with sinuses and head cold and the heat and we've just completely overhauled what last week and this upcoming week is going to look like. But in the overall scheme of where this athlete's trying to get, we can just rework things to keep him or her right on track.
2: Yeah. So we haven't talked about the Olympics on this podcast yet.
1: <laughs> I know, but it's in the rearview mirror now.
2: There's something that we haven't talked about in the Olympics that needs to be discussed.
1: And what might that be?
2: Race walking.
1: Oh my goodness, that is highly entertaining. But before we get into the Olympics, can I just make a comment about race walking? Yes. In general? Okay. Are you sure we haven't talked about this? Maybe we have, maybe we haven't. But it's worth repeating, our local races used to have a walking category where you could actually earn medals if you're the first, if you enter as a walker and then you're the first person who entered as a walker to cross finish line well (laughs) evidently there are rules with race walking and so whoever won the medal must have did a little running in that process so i think our race organizers decided it was too much trouble too much drama to monitor whether or not somebody legitimately (laughs) race walked so when we were watching this on the olympics and they were like 92 penalties per second. <laughs> <laughs> I realized, oh, this is a thing.
2: It is a thing. And there are rules on how to race walk.
1: Do you know said rules?
2: I have been researching <laughs> race walking. Are you
1: going to start racewalking? I
2: don't know. It would be a new challenge.
1: First of all, if you've never seen racewalking, you've got at least find a professional race-walking video. I have never seen hips swing and knees hyperextend so much in all my life.
2: If you go to the Peacock app, which is part of NBC, which covered the Olympics.
1: Hence the Peacock.
2: Hence the Peacock. (laughs) They have a pretty entertaining video with music showing all the warnings and penalties and disqualifications in the race-walk. It was quite entertaining. And, and you'll see the straight knee and the hip action that those uh, athletes are using. So let's talk just a little bit about the rules of race walking. And let me just say, I'm not an expert on this, but the... We al- I,
1: and um, we would also like to say we do not coach race walking.
2: No, <laughs> no, we do not. Go ahead. Go ahead but we would be willing to coach anybody in skip bow if they're interested. All right, back to race walking.
1: (laughs) You're just rubbing it in now. Just rubbing it in. We're almost tied.
2: All right, race walking. So the, the idea in race walking is that you have one foot on the ground all the time, at least one foot. Whereas in running, there's a period of time where both feet are in the air. So that's a big distinction. And the leg that's moving forward needs to land with a straight knee.
1: That's a rule? That's a rule.
2: That's why they're hyperextending that knee in the front.
1: It just looks like it's not even safe.
2: That's the rules. And then that forward leg with the straight knee, it has to stay straight until your torso crosses over that leg. So once that leg ends up you know, slightly behind your rear end, at that point, you're allowed to bend the knee. Does that is make that,
1: sense? Is that how you walk? Like if you nobody just walking, walks like that normally. You're just walking slowly. Is that how you walk? Nobody
2: walks like that. <laughs> I don't know where they came up with the rules, but race walking has been a thing for a really long time.
1: So when this race walker at our local race was bent out of shape, it was probably because somebody's knee was bent out of shape,
2: <laughs> or they didn't have. One foot on the ground all the time, which <laughs> implies they were not walking, but running.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to use that bent out of shape play on words. Oh, I,
2: I missed it. <laughs> all right, so as you mentioned, there are penalties. There are judges around the course, and they're, they're typically a looped course. And you have you know a certain number of judges on the course. And as I was doing my research... There was comments saying that sometimes the judges hide so that the athletes don't see them because obviously there's an advantage, a speed advantage, if you don't comply with the rules and transition to more of a run, but the judges are there to make sure that doesn't happen. And so the judges, if they think you're getting close to violating a rule, they'll jump out of the bush. And show you a yellow card with either...
1: Out of the bush. It could be out of a bush. Happened to be a bush there. Or behind
2: a wall. <laughs> or they could just be standing out there. Maybe they're in disguise. <laughs> Who knows? But I think it's a thing that the judges don't speak. They just show you <laughs> your warning Maybe symbol. Maybe
1: that's what we could do when we retire. We could be race-walk judges.
2: I think it would be... That, that's a good idea, too. <laughs> but I think it would be good to be a track and cross-country and triathlon official. Travel around, see all the sports, and you know provide a service to the event. Anyway, back to race walking. So there's two potential warnings. One of the warnings has a uh, squiggly line on it, and I believe that's the one... That means that you're getting close to not having one foot on the ground. You're cheating. You're cheating. <laughs> and the other warning flag that's also yellow has a like a greater than symbol, and that's indicating that you're getting close to having a bent knee in the front, but you can't do that. If a judge is sure that you are in violation, and they notify the head judge, the chief judge, and if you get... Three red cards from different judges. So you can't just have one judge that's picking on you. The chief judge is going to know that you got three red cards. And then they're going to show you a red paddle.
1: And they're going to whoop you.
2: Which means that you're disqualified.
1: Oh, I thought they just had to go stand in a penalty box or something.
2: Yes, there were penalty zones in the Olympics. And I'm not sure... When they decide to do a time penalty versus when there's a disqualification. But there's some interesting rules and there's strategy involved to push the limits on the rules to be the fastest. So it's an interesting sport. It's just (laughs) weird to watch because you know these people want to just take off and run, but they can't. There's rules.
1: So what pace are they going?
2: I, I don't remember. But I was watching a video of some youth racing the racewalk. And I don't know what year this was, but they were competing in the 1500 on the track in the racewalk. And the winner finished in 9 minutes and 19 seconds.
1: Yeah, so this is no joke. These people are fast. Yeah,
2: yeah. And in the Olympics, there was the 20k event and the 50k event.
1: I mean when I'm really getting after it walking I'd do well to do 15 minutes per mile. <laughs> These yeah. people are what 7 minutes per mile.
0: Yeah, I don't
2: know that. That's quick. Yeah. But I believe in the Olympics they said that the Olympic committee was discontinuing the 50k race walk. The 2020 Olympics held in 2021 maybe the last time for the 50k race walk. But If you're interested in them keeping it in the Olympics, (laughs) contact them.
1: You have a phone number?
2: (laughs) I don't. Moving away from race walking, in a previous podcast, we talked about...
1: If anyone out there is still listening, (laughs) okay.
2: We talked about the Collins Cup. I remember. Which I'm very excited about. It's coming up within the next week, and the teams have been announced. As we talked about before, you got Team Europe team USA and and the team international. But especially on the men's side, it's going to be a great race. So the European team has Jan Ferdino who is the world record holder in the, the long distance triathlon and then the international has Lionel Sanders because he's from Canada and then the US has Sam Long who has been crushing it this year. So I'm hoping that the captains work it out so that these three guys go head to head. And it's a short event. So although Jan Ferdino or Sam Long may have an advantage in a really long race, a full distance, this is a really short event. So who knows how it's going to go. But anyway, I've got the app downloaded. And so far, I haven't seen anything that's asking me to pay to watch this. But anyway, it's coming up. Opening ceremonies for it are occurring on August the 25th.
1: I have to crack up and take a little tangent here. We are funny when it comes to our cheapness. We're not going to spend five ninety nine on an app to watch a race, but our granddaughter goes to the hospital and we buy the toy section for it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and yesterday when we were melting in the sun waiting for the boat,
1: <laughs>
2: you asked me to go find you a cup of ice. I did. And the street vendors, they just, they didn't have ice. But I did find a... <laughs>
1: what One of it? the street vendors was an icy vendor.
2: Yeah, Kona Ice. So I said I would like to buy... <laughs> a
1: plane. Some
2: ice. <laughs> and the lady said, we have our flavor dispenser on the side of the truck. You just help yourself. And I said, well, I really don't want any flavor. But thank you. So I brought you this massive
1: He brought me a five dollar cup of ice. <laughs> but it was healthy. It didn't have any of that sugary flavoring in it. hmm It was much appreciated. And <laughs> I dumped it on the ground accidentally, but
2: You know I love you if I'm spending five dollars on a cup of ice.
1: I know. And then you're not gonna spend five so I'm just saying spend the money on the app and watch the Collins race. It hadn't asked pretty money yet. Okay.
2: <laughs> and There are some pretty good videos out on the Collins Cup website, you know, preview videos, just building the anticipation. It's going to be great.
1: So we've had so much small talk today that I guess we won't really get into a big subject today. Nope. This will be our potpourri podcast.
2: Maybe that's what we'll call it. (laughs) We've got to come up with a title.
1: I never name our podcast. I'll leave that to you. I will say Coach Dean Roberts is definitely the technical person behind the podcast. He makes sure they make it to all the platforms.
2: Well, before we wrap up this potpourri podcast, (laughs) I like to share a scripture. And, And sometimes as I'm doing my daily reading, something just jumps out at me and I think, you know, I want to share this. Some of the scriptures I share just with our team members And then some make it to the podcast. But here's one from Colossians, the first chapter, verses 9 through 12. And this is Paul writing. He says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord... Fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light.
1: That's good because the Old Testament proves that we cannot qualify ourselves.
2: We cannot do it. And it's frustrating to try.
1: So if you're new to listening to our podcast, we would like you to know that we have a Facebook group. You can find us by searching RYR Endurance Team. And we'd love to have you as a part of that group. Thanks for tuning in.
2: Talk to you later.
0: At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com.
1: Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.